everybody, and welcome back to Nerd Radio, your national nerd net radio direct. I am your host, Nick. Here with me today is... Nate, he got so tickled by the fact that he was jokingly trying to because I was ready for it. It's me. Okay, let's just get on with it, you asshole. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, how to get a hold of us. <laughs> I'm, like, looking at the outline. What's next? I'm laughing too hard. Um, so please go ahead on our Twitter, at TX3Productions. Instagram, ThreadX3 Productions, YouTube, ThreadX3 Productions, or ThreadX3 Productions at gmail.com to get a hold of us directly. Check out our YouTube where you can find breakaways, where you can find, you know, nice videos. We're going to be doing some reviews very shortly. Uh, Dreams is coming out. I might not be able to get it on day one, but like, I'm going to be getting that very soon, as well as. Hunt Showdown, finally coming out on PlayStation, so check that out if you want to see our impressions, some gameplay, yada, yada, yada. Alrighty, so let's get into our first segment of the day, this weekend at the box office. Uh, number one, to absolutely no one's surprise, other than probably Warner Brothers, because they have to change the name, but more on that later. <laughs> I'm going to call it the real name, okay? The real name, the one that's probably on the f***ing title card. <laughs> um, Birds of Prey and the something... Fan- Fantabulous Emancipation of Harley Fantas- Quinn. Yeah, there you go. That that thing. Um, so that's got a total of three, $33 million dollars. Going off of a what kind of budget? Um, total budget was 84.5. Whew. They're at 81 globally. Yeah. So, I mean, they're almost making it that way, but at least when it comes to like being considered a success, I feel like they go by the domestic first. And then, based on how big the other one is, you know, we'll talk more about that because we have a news story and uh, Nate seen it, so we're going to talk about the review for it. So we'll talk more about that. Um, other than getting into the actual review itself, what do you think about thirty-three million? <sighs> to put it simply, do you, think it, do you think it's because it's whamming and all the sexists decided not to go see it? No, I think it's primarily because DC doesn't really know how does DC doesn't have the same clout Marvel does when it comes to their connected movies. Like, yeah, and this is one of those that well, connected is very loose now, isn't it? <laughs> yes, and that's yeah, that's that's definitely the problem that I think that will be addressed at some point. But what I think about it is, I think it sucks because this, and I'll talk about it more. But this movie, all like full stop, deserves to be an absolute success. Like. I want this to be a success because I want DC and Warner Brothers to know, hey, this is the way you make these movies. This is the way you make the movies, make the movies. So, I Uh, mean. I've heard mixed, so we're we're, we're just going to leave it at that. Number two, down from number one, Bad Boys for Life, even though it's number three, 12 million for a total of 166.3 million dollars total. Um, remind me again the budget on that because that's definitely it's over the budget now, isn't it? 90, 90 mil. 
Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. It's almost doubled here in the United States. And, I mean, worldwide, how much is that? Um, worldwide, it's $337 million. Yeah. So, I mean, good for them. I still haven't seen it. I'll, I'll I definitely red box it. Not that I don't like him. You know, I love <laughs> Will Smith. You know, I love him. Uh, number three, down from number two. It looked like everything just kind of shifted down, if I'm being honest. So I'm going to stop saying that. Number three, 1917, $9.2 million for a total of $132.7 million. You still haven't seen that, correct? Correct. I have not. Even though we've said weeks upon weeks, you know, how are people going to be able to trust you, Nate? You know, you tell them something. I'm sorry. They, they trust I'm sorry. You. Look, I'm trying to be. You, I'm sir. trying to be a good friend and stay committed. And like, my buddy just had some family issues. Like, I got like, like he just had to had to reschedule. So we just haven't seen it yet. <laughs> Great. So. Make me sound like the asshole. Good job. You are. <laughs> Do little has done very little in the box office. Oh my office. god. Let's see what this is. Oh so my god. Sixty three million is the total. Six point five million for this week. Who? What's it's, the worldwide? 161 million it wow. has not gotten past the budget the budget it was 175 gotten past. and how many weeks let me i just gotta scroll over scroll oh why is it not scrolling over hello four weeks four weeks four, is how long it's been four weeks yeah four weeks in the box office and it is not made back its budget man it's not good at all i mean first flop of the year but at the same time it's one of those where it's like well you put it in january you knew what you were doing this seemed like a perfect january movie i mean honestly like it, it was just like hey it's, it's a good movie to start the year it's it's a feel good mm. movie but yeah mm. yeah january is where movies go to die i mean february too sometimes but january in particular if you know your movie's bad but you need to put it out anyways you put it out in january i mean it's more surprising when a good movie comes out you know so number five actually this is the one that didn't shift at all uh jumanji the next level 5.5 million for a total of 298.4 million so i mean good for them that's another one i'm gonna red box just because like i like the first one but i'll go ahead and wait uh number six the gentleman 4.2 million for a total of 26.8 million that one i'm still surprised because i i, I don't know if i don't know if aladdin made Guy Ritchie's name kind of go down and people just weren't excited about this. I think honestly the biggest problem with this is like maybe it looked too much like Snatch. So instead of people thinking to themselves, oh, Guy Ritchie is going back to what makes him good, they were thinking, oh, Guy Ritchie is just remaking himself. Yeah, I don't know. This definitely looked like something I wanted to check out, and I do, but it's just one of those that I don't know if I'll make it to the theater. Yeah, yeah, th that's definitely another red box for me. Gretel and Hansel, one that I'll never see. $3.5 for a total of 11.6. Still haven't heard really awesome things about that. Eight Little Women, which actually got a nomination for Best Film. I didn't know that, honestly. Uh, $2.3 for a total of $102.7 um, Star Wars still somehow in the top ten. I'll, I'll give it that. $2.3 for a total of... Five ten point six million dollars. Inter interestingly enough, it only did fifty three million better internationally. It's sitting at five ten domestic, five fifty three. Mm -hmm. So it, I mean, it definitely crossed a billion. So we all kind of knew that was going to be the case. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
But yeah, I think this is going to be the last week we'll see this on here because it's going to start to like it's starting to fade away from theaters now. Yeah, definitely, definitely. It's only in seventeen hundred. My goodness. Yeah. Um, ten up from number nine or up from eleven. So this was out of the top ten. Then it was like, nah, I'm clawing my way back in. Uh, two point two million for Knives Out. I think part of it was because it got nominated. Mm. Like, what did it get nominated for? I can't remember. Oh, that you was asked it? the one thing I didn't know about the Oscars is yeah. what what category I know it got nominated for. for something. I don't know what. Uh, a couple of honorable mentions: Eleven, Parasite, that one Best Picture. Like, I'm very surprised a foreign film. Like, when's the last time a foreign film has ever won? Like, it'd be one thing to be a foreign film. It's another thing to be a foreign film that has subtitles. Like, that's impressive. Right, yeah. This one is the first, from my understanding, um, Oscar award-winning film out of Korea or South Korea or anything like that. When it comes to... I feel like there was another international film that was Mm -hmm. um, either either selected i know there were several that were nominated uh, Mm -hmm. in years past but originally i was going to be like okay you know parasite we'll see jump up in the charts possibly jojo rabbit and then i checked parasite and it's only in three theaters (laughs) that's what it says on the website so i was like well i I don't think it says 1060 on mine oh okay so never mind that was another one uh that was a different like i was on the page itself it said in three oh the opening Opening was three hundred thirty nine thousand in three theaters. That's what oh, I got confused God, by. Why, huh? So yeah, that um, one. So then might the other jo- honorable mention is twelve, which is JoJo Rapid, which is another one that got nominated. So it's definitely interesting, especially this time of year when there isn't like a crap ton of really good movies. People go and they watch the Oscars, or let's 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 be honest, they watch the highlights <laughs> and and they say, oh, Jojo Rabbit, you know, I've, I've heard a lot about that. And then they go see it and it kind of bumps it up a little bit. So good for them. Good for them. Let's get into the headline. Sam Raimi in talks for Doctor Strange 2 sequel. Um, this one, I think, has the subtitle something about multiverse. So yeah, even though it was, in the, yeah. Yeah, even though it was teased, and then ended up being BS in uh, Homecoming. No, not Homecoming, you idiot. Uh, Far From Home. So even mm. though it was teased there, it ended up being a lie. So now we're going to be getting the real thing. So that's kind of interesting. Uh, Sam Raimi, I feel like... I mean, two things. One, it's super interesting that he was Marvel, or technically Sony, I guess. And then he's coming back for you know, kind of a Spider-Man-ish, you know, because it's in New York and everything. But it's interesting. I feel like if they're going to go weird and multiverse I feel like Sam Raimi's probably a really good fit for that. All right, so we've got to address the elephant in the room here. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you right, right off the bat, do you think there's any chance in hell that we're going to see any mention of Tobey Maguire, Spider-Man, or see Tobey Maguire at all? Because that's what ever when this came out. Now, granted, this news is a little bit old. Yeah, it, right. it was last week, but it's kind of important Bottom. to come what what the rest of what we're talking about mm-hmm. here on the on the rest of the show. Here's the so, here's the thing though. Why is there not already like a director for Doctor Strange? Like that's that's one thing. There that, was there was oh so the, yeah there was and he backed out. <gasps> creative difference. Yeah, it was like the Ant oh, yeah, creative, creative differences. Oh, man. Well, I mean, maybe it's a good thing. I mean. Sorry for Doctor Strange, too, or whatever, but maybe it's a good thing that we have a known director come on, because it's like, the fact that I didn't know who was it, who is it, who who is it, I'm saying well, it really the, weird. 
the the whole thing about that is is he is known to to people who like horror movies because <gasps> he's a primary horror director so people were excited that so who was it then that's what i'm looking up right now because i don't remember God his name it. it's very distinct distinct original um, doctor yeah everyone you can hear my keyboard real quick doctor strange director chick tack 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 scott dickerson or derrickson <laughs> scott derrickson he's a dick <laughs> Scott Derrickson. So yeah, Derrick. a lot of people are really excited because so they're like, like what, what movies is he done? I'm going to IMDb. More clicking and clacking. Click, click, click. I said a click. Because clack. of him click, being click, like click. a horror director, like, oh, this is going to have like a kind of a creepier spin. Like they could go right, into a dark right, place right, with this. Right, 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 right. Scott I Derrick. think to fit the marvelness of it, going something strange, eh? With uh, Sam Raimi might be a better fit. Sorry. So he wrote, he was mm. a writer for Doctor Strange. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, also, fun fact, I did not know they were making a Snowpiercer TV series. That's super dope. It's coming out this year. Um, yeah, I'm wondering how that even will translate because, like, the movie was so good. Like, I don't even want to think about it. Go on. He wrote Deliver Us from Evil, Hellraiser Inferno, um, mm. Sinister he directed. Interesting. Interesting. Um, mm. Devil's Not. So yeah, I guess he wasn't unknown. Uh, that's that's incorrect. Um, he was a writer for The Exorcism of Emily, Emily Rose in yeah. The Day the Earth Stood So still. maybe he was more known for his, for his writing. writing. So, yeah. okay. By the way, Sam Raimi, I feel like, you know, I feel like, if anything, getting getting a more, I guess, marketable name out there is, is never a bad thing, so... I think it'll, I, I have really high hopes for this. Yeah, I mean, especially since, like, I think by the time Doctor Strange came around, the Marvel formula was really starting to get to people. You know, I feel like Doctor Strange and, like, Panther, like, they came out around the same time, right? And then it mm. was just like... It was just like the Marvel formula, the how they set up, you know, beginning, middle, and end was just becoming like so tried and true that by the time Doctor Strange came out, even though it was a good movie, there was so much about it that the general audience was starting to get lax on that it was just like, eh. So now bringing in Sam Raimi and hopefully him giving his flair, because there's one thing you could definitely say about the Raimi trilogy of Spider-Mans is that they do have this certain weirdness to him that that completely fits his style. Like that whole scene in the second one where it's like the tentacles or whatever, the the way the camera moves is pulled straight from Evil Dead. Yeah, there was another one that I was thinking of in particular. Um, like, I think one of my favorite parts, and it could be just because it was like early 2000s, like exaggeration on, on superheroes, but like anytime he had a Spidey Sense moment. Yeah. Where it, it went... Yeah. Like it made that like really kind of violin string sound and like zoomed in like the way it was shot and that that that's that could be directorial or it could be you know principal photography or not principal photography um cinematography right but either way like it has the style i think is what's really cool and yeah, the exactly. fact that he's so veteran mm-hmm. i think can i think he's up to the task of doing a multiverse style movie that's gonna have i think this is gonna have a lot more importance than a lot of people think yeah yeah I mean, because, it is the multiverse, so this could open yeah. up the the. It could open up for so Anything. many things. I mean, yeah. I I mean, it really would be cool to see Tobey Maguire right next to Andrew Garfield, right next to right next to Tom Holland in like the next 
Spider-Man. Like, how freaking awesome would that be? Yeah. So, anyways, moving on, we have Birds of Prey rename to help with box office. So this is something we obviously like, joked about at the beginning. So now it's called Harley Quinn colon Birds of Prey. And there's some people getting outraged about it. Like, like I can understand where people are coming from, but at the same time, after I've heard reviews about it, which once again, we will still review that. So don't get into it too much, Nate. But after the reviews I've heard about it, it's just straight up. It's a Harley Quinn movie. And there's also birds of prey, at least from what everybody I've, you know, watch their review on. It's like, oh yeah, it's a Harley Quinn movie that has the Birds of Prey. And I'm like, oh, okay. And even though um there might be like equal screen time or even though like they might, you know, you know, focus on the I mean kind of like the first Avengers, like the Avengers weren't the Avengers till the very end. So that's kind of the same deal here from what I hear. But it's just, you know, it just makes sense now. Like I was I was more surprised that they didn't call it Harley Quinn from the very beginning because to put Birds of Prey and the fabulous emancipation of Harley Quinn, it's like because it was such a long title, the focus was obviously on Harley Quinn anyways because it's like you can't have that long-ass title and the last thing you say is Harley Quinn. You don't say Birds of Prey. So it's like, yeah, I don't know. I feel like the focus was already there, and now they're just making it official. So I don't really understand the uh, the outrage, quote unquote. So I don't either. Uh, well, it could be because they didn't explain, but they have recently explained. So this isn't like a Edge of Tomorrow, Live Die Repeat situation, right? Um, they all they're only changing the title for ticket sites. Right. And any place that you would see to go purchase it. So it'll say Harley Quinn Birds of Prey instead of, you know, the long title there. Because that was my first thought, too, is I was like, oh, oh, they're pulling a Edge of Tomorrow thing where when the DVD came out, they were like, we don't know what that is. We call it Live, Die, Repeat, you know, which obviously wasn't that dramatic, but it was very similar to it. Um, so I think it's it's smart on their part because... <laughs> <laughs> because of the fact of this does need like pe- more people need to see this and I'll, of course like was to get into the review but this is something that people don't need to sleep on like especially the fact of if everyone's been complaining about DC movies for years put your money where your mouth is Ooh. and go see this movie um but yeah I get what you're saying um and that's definitely you're definitely not wrong as far as the reviews that you've heard mm-hmm. um but it's 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 honestly worth it yeah. but yeah it's it's just interesting that uh, I mean this is very light compared to what DC's encountered in the past with their films right. like just the title you know well um, I think it's, it's just more those- interesting that it's official you know like cause like at any movie theater um, you've always seen them shorten things you know what I mean like Jurassic Park the Lost World, they would have shortened it to The Lost World because they didn't want to fit everything on there or something. I don't know. That's a bad example, I think. But, like, there's been tons of times where I've gone to the movie theater and because they they do their things, like, manually, like putting the letters up on the thing or whatever, they would always shorten things. So, like, shortening it or rearranging it to make sure that people still come in is never something that's... You know, this isn't a brand new thing, I guess, is what I'm trying to get at. But the fact Mm. that they're officially doing it, like the makers of the movie themselves are doing it, not the theaters themselves. So I think that's what's interesting about this is the fact that it is very much officially official, you know, and that's kind of the thing that sticks out for me. 
yeah. <sighs> Again, it's one of those that I'm I'm waiting for DC to put out a movie that is not marred by any kind of controversy whatsoever. Yeah, we'll like never then put something out and be a success. Wonder if, if 1984 is good. Mm-hmm. Maybe I don't know, but it's cause... still attached to what is the DCEU, and the DCEU is no longer the DCEU. So it's still just so out there. Not only that, but what it's I, like we well, know that Chris Pine's fucking die again. I mean, he's not in BVZ, BV, BV, oh my God, BVS. BVS, right. Well, there's actually an article that came out of Gal Gadot talking about how he is a different person. Like it's, it's, it's one of those that I, they're going to explain that for sure. Mm. Like he's not, he's not the original. Thanks for the spoilers. You didn't even say spoiler warning. No, it's (laughs) Not they're basically saying like everything. Okay. They're answering that. No, what all it said was, and they're answering the question. Everyone's like, wait, how does he, how does he, whatever. And it's like, well, I mean, so, there is something that's not right. Mm-hmm. You know? So they're they're which I appreciate because I know that going into it, I'm not expecting them to try to surprise me with it. Well, but right. But that's still I, my like, point is that it's like, we already know kind of like when Mysterio showed up, it's like, we know something's up there because it's yeah. like, I mean, not only that it's be- the fact that it's a prequel, we know something has to be up. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that that's my point. It's just the fact that it's going to have this prequelitis. There are so many goddamn prequels out there that what makes them bad isn't necessarily the story or anything like that, but it's the stakes. We know that, yeah. for instance, uh, in Underworld, we know that like the main werewolf guy is not going to die because he was in Underworld, the first one. We know that Anakin isn't going to die, so even though he doesn't have the high ground, we know that that's not going to be a problem. You know, so it just, like, it robs the entire movie of any kind of stakes. No matter how much danger our characters are in, it doesn't matter because we know this person's alive, this person we've never even heard of, so on and so forth. Yeah. But... I've got something I really want to get into, but oh God. we're going to save it. Get into it. We're going to save get it. Get into it. But go ahead to the next one, because this is um, this is something I'm excited Sony about. Sony and Marvel 2021 film. So, I mean, this kind of goes along with what we were ta- or what I was talking about. So is your theory kind of along the sides of me with the Sam Raimi No, my theory, 100- oh, okay. my theory 100% is that... With Into the Spider Verse, which is also coming mm-hmm. out in 2021. Ooh, that's a good point. We're going to get, I'm pretty sure that one's coming out before this new one that they've announced. Interesting. Okay. I think in Into the Spider Verse 2, they're going to go full Spider Verse, connect everybody, Garfield, McGuire, Holland, to kind of give you a standing point of, hey, None of this is separate anymore. It is, but there is a, there is a, like, the Spider Verse is a thing. Right. And we're going to connect everything together. And then that gives them a slate to go forward with whatever they choose for this one. I mean, I don't think this is going to be a, if it is a villain tie-in, mm-hmm. it's going to be something that will lead towards uh, the Sinister Six. Um, it could vary depending on what their like legal standpoint is. It could be like a Vulture film. Mm-hmm. Um, with kind of like a, the, the beginnings of the Sinister Six. But <sighs> I don't know. I was going to say this is going to be a Tom Holland movie, but like he still has to have his third with MC, the MCU, I think, before Sony can do theirs or a- include what? him. 
Well, no, it, that's not in any confused. kind of that's not in any kind of deal at all. But like, I know that they've talked about that he's got one one or two more movies with MC the MCU, hmm, and okay. then Sony can kind of do whatever. Like Sony's going to want to keep him as their Spider Man, but right. I think that's my biggest thing about this. I have no idea what this movie's going to be. It could be a villain tie-in, but I think because it's coming out after Spider-Verse, Spider-Verse is going to finally connect this whole weird logistic like marketing nightmare together into one. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, I think I think in general some kind of a Spider-Verse would be interesting, but at the same time since we already have a Spider-Verse, I don't know I mean, Doctor Strange 2, is that coming out before or after this? I mean, before, right? I think it's before. What I'm getting at specifically is, yes, they introduced the Spider-Verse, but they didn't connect everything. Like, they didn't include, like, any of the live-action stuff. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's what I I mean. I think they will with this. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, with the animated or with the the new one? Or both? The animated, the... It could be both, but I yeah. think I think Sony has has to pick up the mantle of like explaining in a way that makes sense to everybody why this is different. I mean, everyone yeah. knows, but in terms of like the same thing with how Marvel's going to try to introduce the mutants, like how are you going to explain that you just have a- just now have access to them? Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll have to see. I mean, it would be nice, especially if the next Spider-Man we get after whatever the next, you know, you know, maybe this the, the last one was far from home. Maybe the one's back home or homeward bound or maybe something like that. And so then the next one after homeward bound is going to be a technically Sony movie. But if they tie it together some way, that would be nice, obviously, especially with Mordecai coming out and Vulture ended up showing up at the end of that trailer. So it would be nice to kind of figure out exactly what's going on. Because I think, you know, they're they're not quite as confusing as DCEU and the fact that we had a Joker and then we had another Joker and then we had Harley Quinn going off by herself and then we have like a Batman, but it's going to be like a year one Batman. And it's like, what is going on? I don't know. So we're not getting quite there. It is easier to distinguish Sony and Marvel, especially to, to those who kind of know the workaround. But... You know, still we have to think about like the general audience. So, you know, whatever. and and yes, uh, Doctor Strange is coming out May seventh, twenty twenty one, and this uh, Sony Marvel film is coming out in October. Gotcha. All right, good to know. Good to know. It'll be nice to see it come back from the dead. So, speaking of coming back from the dead, <laughs> uh, the Hunt just got a new trailer, and the funny thing about this is that on certain places it's called Trailer One even though they had another trailer and it was n- not anything like this. So yeah. Anyways, basically the hunt I like to say is like a battle Royale in a, in a sense, you know what I mean? Uh, where they take a bunch of random ass people, put them on an Island and then they have to kill each other. I mean, but like the, when it, when the first one, when the first trailer came out, um, I want to say there was some kind of, mass shooting or some kind of something happened right around the time the trailer came out. And so it was supposed to release like a couple months later after the trailer. 
Um, and then it didn't because something happened. And then out of respect, they decided to give it time because they had to basically rework some of the story to exclude something in it. Like, for instance, a really good example. I can't remember what it was, but Josh Brolin and um, Ryan Gosling was in a gangster movie. And in the gangster movie, there was a gang that shot up a movie theater. And right around the same time it was supposed to come out, um, the whole Joker thing happened where the guy went to a screening of the Joker and shot up the theater. So out of respect, they took that scene out of that movie and that ended up getting delayed. You know what I mean? Mm. So as far as I know, that's what happened with this movie. And in, in some ways, there were rumors about it saying that it might be dead altogether. So it's interesting to see this one come back. Now, there's definitely a way different tone to this one, at least from the trailer. It might have had this tone all along, but from this trailer, it was like there was definitely some like really funny parts or whatever. What did you think of the trailer? Um, well, to first off real quick, I didn't see the original trailer at all. Oh, this really? is the first thing I have ever seen about it. Yeah. So that had no, that didn't hit my feet apart from the news articles talking about the film. Um, I thought this was funny. Yeah. Like it wasn't until you told me what it was where I was like, Oh yeah, this is the one that was supposed to piss everyone off because it was like, like artistically political. That looked funny. Like mm-hmm. everything about it looked really on the nose. Um, but in a very entertaining and fun way, right? You know, like, and, and like it's okay. It's got, if it's okay that they're poking fun of white people because it's white people who are poking fun at themselves. Yeah, and what's funny about it is it's not even just that. Like, if it was just that by itself, it'd be like, okay, they're self-deprecating. But like, the self-deprecation is genuine and complex. If mm-hmm. that makes sense, yeah. Like, well, it I feels mean, it's like not just white people. It's also poor versus rich people. Right. Yeah. And of course, the dialogue between right and left, and it—it it honestly, it's getting to the point where it's all kind of the same thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, the right and left, the blah blah blah, the blah blah blah. blah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it's, this looks funny. Best this looks funny part, for sure. Uh, side best part of the uh, conversation with uh, Johnny Young when he started doing his impression of Leo from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. No. So everybody, <laughs> if you haven't already, go check that out. I can't remember. <laughs> yeah, that best was, part of the of those, entire like, conversation that there. caught me off guard yeah like 100 because he, he did it like almost like word for word so it was just like ah that's funny uh what were you we saying oh yeah the hunt one thing that kind of stands out to me is that the guy from this is us isn't it so like that intrigued me from the very beginning i would like to see him actually be in movies because it would be kind of meta in a way because he's a movie star in the show. And so for him to actually be making movies is kind of cool. Not only that, but like, um, you know, not to sound a certain way, but it's like, he's a freaking hunk, you know, like I can admit that, like he's a freaking hunk and like, he's really good looking. And I can, I feel like, especially since I've seen him act serious, I've seen him act funny. He seems believable to me. So put him in like a military or like uh, a role. I would like to see him be the next, maybe not action star, but I'd like to see him as a star. I'd like to see him go forward with movies. You know, I would really like to see that. I like him in This Is Us. And yeah, I mean, I just, I'd, I'd like to see, hopefully this be like the first of many, even though from the trailer, it looks like, he might not last that long. 
Yeah, and it's also <laughs> the thing too is it's uh, besides him, it's an all star cast. Yeah. You've got mm-hmm. um, Ethan Supley, which I'm pretty sure that's how you pronounce it. Mm-hmm. Um, dude from, I, I mean he's he's been he's the big guy that's been every in everything. Like my name is Earl, the best friend. Right. You know the one that have lost seen, all that weight recently. Yeah, I was gonna say, have you seen those pictures where he's getting freaking yeah. cut? What's so cool too is like I saw a video of him actually like doing the workouts, and you can tell like it's one of those that he still got like skin. Like it's still, you can tell he went from morbidly obese to yeah. like back to where he was. And so that, that's cool. But what's funny you were talking about, I was like, it's got the guy from this is us. And I was like, Oh, okay. You're talking about, um, Sterling K Brown. And I was like, and then you thought I was talking I about Peter to, Petrelli. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I was like, Oh, okay. It's like, Oh yeah, he is good. <laughs> but then now you but, realize um, what I'm talking about. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The blonde-haired yeah. one, the son. Yeah, the the one that yeah, the one that got yeah, the, the stepped on the yeah. Yeah, exactly. He steps on the on mind. The mind. Yeah, so it's like, and I'm like, well, it almost looked like it was Emma Roberts that got blown up. If you go back and watch the trailer, true. So. But there's a lot of red mist, so it's like I think she might just get blown back. <laughs> Maybe because <laughs> there was a lot of white mist just. So, but it looks good. Like I like. I like the look of it. Um, it definitely seems like a 2000s Lionsgate kind of movie, and I freaking love that. Yeah. I, like, I think 2000s Liongate has now turned into Blumhouse. You know what I mean? I can agree with that. Like, 2000 to 2010, the Lionsgate that we used to know, nowadays, that's handled by Blumhouse. To a point where I'd like to know if it's, like, some of the same people. Because, like, the the type of Blumhouse movies that are coming out nowadays, it's like, God, this is so Lionheart. You know what I mean? It genuinely, like, I'm sure if we did, like, two seconds of research, we could find that out. But, you know, this is nerd. <laughs> okay. This is not some research-heavy Oh, you thing. want us to be responsible? <laughs> yeah, right. Give responsible? Give it a wrong show, buddy. Responsibility. What's that? Responsibility. Not quite yet. I'll give you a thousand dollars if you know who that is. I don't, so I'm just gonna yeah. stay a poor boy. MXPX, get cultured, son. Okay. Okay. So, moving on up. So we're gonna move on to what you watching. So, uh, Nate, what you watching? So I'm going to start off with the one that uh, that I've seen, which is the one we've also been teasing the entire show. Um, Birds. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, let me ask you real quick. What did you think about the, what did you think about uh, James Corden and and their part from the Oscars? Yeah. Uh, That was funny. I mean, I feel like obviously they're being super self-deprecating, you know, which is fine. That that's okay. But, uh, at the same time, it's like the body's not even cold yeah, yet. Yeah, still guys. roasted, still roasted <laughs> on fire. Um, but no, uh, birds of prey. So I'm going to try to discuss this as much as I can without spoilers uh, because Nick hasn't seen it. But right. um, I'm going to get real passionate about it. So everyone, be be ready uh, for that. So that's going to be really weird because it's a bunch of women. Okay, so let's just you know hold our white privilege. Okay check that at the door and try to put yourself in a more, you know, level-headed, you know, I don't want you to get too passionate, okay? These are women. They have names. Are you done? 
No, 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 I'm not done. Never done. Never give up. Never surrender. <laughs> Moving on. Um, so, full stop, like I said before, this movie is absolutely phenomenal. Um, it sucks that as it's looking right now is this is going to be the critical winner and the box office loser. Whereas suicide squad was the critical loser box office winner. And I hate that. I absolutely despise that. So I went and, and like I told you, I went and rewatched, um, suicide squad, like Monday of last week. One of the best DCU movies ever made. Yes. Go on. Yeah. Suicide squad. And for context, again, I have seen, that was the third time I'd watched it. Um, I watched it in the Mm -hmm. theater. Watched it again a couple years ago because I, I didn't see the extended edition. I wanted to see what was in that. And then this time I watched it, I was like, that movie was terrible. Like, I used mm-hmm. to be like, okay, I kind of enjoyed it. But no, I just, I hated my experience the entire time. Um, well, I didn't hate it. But anyway, it's a bad movie. It's not a good movie. It's the worst DC movie I think that they've made. Um, so far, at least. Mm. Harley Quinn, Birds of Prey, <laughs> which I accidentally titled it what they named what they switched it to, um, is not that. Um, Suicide Squad should not have been known to win to win an Oscar. This film does. The cinematography. What did they get? What did they get nominated for? Wasn't it like sound? It was or like some makeup. BS? It was like FX oh, and yeah, stuff like that. Um, everything about this movie is great. Every single part of it. Um, the cinematography is beautiful. The action scenes, which there's a lot like also this movie's rated R. They love that rating. It (laughs) it is. I think that's why I love it so much is because they really just went places like they went for it. Well, I like this one scene that I see in the trailer where like there's a whole bunch of Coke just all around her and you can see it go up her nostrils and then like she opens up her eyes and then just goes on a fucking tantrum. Okay. So there's (laughs) tantrum. (laughs) So the, the whole like police area, like that part where like she's in evidence lockup, like surrounded by all that cocaine. That is like from start to finish is a great scene, but I'm going to tell you one part because this just goes how like R rated they went. So she's fighting like all these guys and Mm -hmm. it's awesome. Like she's kicking their ass. There is one part where I don't remember what, but there's a lot of flipping and flying around. Mm -hmm. (laughs) She catches, she catches one dude off guard, takes, takes a bat like the front way knocks out his legs knocks out his kneecaps like i mean he just she just shattered them and then he as he's falling turns around and like gets the back part of him so she basically breaks his legs two different ways <laughs> and oh, like it's, it gets intense but yeah that whole scene in particular is like the um like it's really good cinematography the effects are really good because they're playing with light and a whole bunch of different stuff um mm-hmm. but yeah that's great the villain God, I was so worried about Ewan McGregor. I really was, because I was like, I mean, from the Arkham games, like Roman Sionis seems like doesn't seem like this. The mm-hmm. best, the best villain DC's had, like ever. Yeah. Well, I mean, of course you got the Joker, so I'm yeah. taking him out. But ever, ever, it was like played into it in a different way and really stole the show. Honestly, um, Zaz was terrifying. Uh, Zaz was creepy in a very human way. So it wasn't like yeah. creepy in Arkham. It was like, oh, like I still hate this guy. This guy's disgusting. But it's <sighs> what I'll say to you in particular, Nick, what mm-hmm. reviews you have seen of it being mixed, 
just don't go don't go in with any expectations. No, that's super hard because I'm I'm already or going go in, in with, with the low expectations. Expe- yeah, go I'm going in, in with, with the expectation of it's a weird ass movie that is somehow connected but not connected, but is its own movie but not really its own movie. Like it's DCEU, and even though it's that's never been technically the the thing, it's it's impossible for me to go in with low expectations because. I mean, other than, yeah, I can go in expecting it's going to suck because that's what I've heard. Like, I, d- I can tell you for a fact it doesn't suck, but... Right. You can tell me that. Yeah. But... Well, so... Uh, now the one You thing also I'll- didn't like Suicide Squad, so how much can I really trust you? <laughs> did you like Suicide Squad? <laughs> yeah, I did. Have I you seen Suicide it recently? Squad. I mean, not recently, recently, but I've watched it multiple times. Like, here's the thing. I don't, I don't think it's perfect, I think it's freaking dumb that they had to have a giant ass sky beam, you know, and I can admit it's flaws, but I definitely don't think it's flawless. You know what I mean? I can't wait for you to watch this movie because if you come back and say you like Suicide Squad better, I'm not, it's, it's not going to be an offensive thing by any means. I'm genuinely mm-hmm. curious that that's a conversation I can't wait for because like, to me, this isn't a good, this is a good movie, not right. like a good DC movie. So I'm like, right. um, but man, that that's, Mm, that's I, mean, I definitely can't wait for that dialogue because that's that's something up there. But the thing that I am curious about, or no, no, no the only other thing I tell you, they do sow seeds for what's going on with Suicide Squad. They don't like right. they, there's not anything brought up in particular, but it's like, oh yeah, okay, so they are getting the connection back. Um, well, if I do come back and say that I like it, it's nothing else than it's just my taste, you know? Yeah, Cause I because like a perfect example is like uh, Angry Joe liked Suicide Squad just fine and then didn't really like Birds of Prey. So it's like, that just means my taste is different. Right. Like, what, I, what, I, what I was more specifically saying is I can't wait for that conversation to have of why you like it better because mm-hmm. like us being polar opposite, like and intellectually, not like, oh, like because you like it, it's, it's, it's bad. No, mm-hmm. it's intellectually like I really want to know if you like it better, why? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty, honestly, I'm pretty sure I'll like Birds of Prey better just because it's rated R. Like, Suicide Squad, imagine if that would have been, you know, imagine mm-hmm. if that would have been rated R. I feel like, I feel like it would have been so much better rated R if they would have just, if they would have been able to just let go and go with the ridiculousness. They had a guy on there who was a freaking crack. So, like, to see, like, blood and him, like, ripping off arms and stuff, like, that would have been interesting. But yeah. instead, it's like it was this kind of muddled version because, no, we can't do too much. So, yeah, whatever. What, that, that's the last thing I'll say that I think is one of the biggest – like, if it's controversy that it's a mostly Harley Quinn movie, whatever. But for her specifically, especially watching them back-to-back um, – Margot Robbie, she also produced this. Like she, she mm-hmm. has, she was a lot of what was behind this. She really defined that character. I mean, right. she she was able to do what Tara Strong has done for like the Arkham games and, and with other animated properties. Like she is live action Harley Quinn. Like right. she, perfect, genuine performance, um, really good. And the stuff from the trailer you've seen, where she just gets bat shit and then gets smart all of a sudden. Like they don't happen a lot, but when they do, it's like, oh, I'm invested into this character. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. like with Suicide Squad, I was like, it was like a Megan Fox Transformers kind of thing for me. 
you know, with Megan Fox, you remember how, like, if you go back and watch Transformers, how her acting is just absolutely terrible. Megan right. Fox is in Transformers. Like, that that line that she has in Suicide Squad where it's like, we're bad guys, it's what we do. It just, like, when she said it, it was like, oh, like, I, for some reason, like, because I've seen, like, your better performance, that was just like, oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's my critical analysis of it's that. Critical analysis. Um, it's Apart from that, complete 180 to something that I absolutely loved and had a blast with to something that I feel like I want to go hold a pillow and just like go call my father. Um, also watched Honey Boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I did too. So this is perfect. We can kind of interchange ours. Um, I mean, what's your overall thoughts on it? So I watched the movie in two halves. Um, I watched like, 45 minutes of it last night and then I finished it this morning. Okay. So, um I kind of had a good actual break. The first half of the movie I was unsure about. Mm-hmm. I, I you know cuz the way it started I thought it was going to be like a traditional artistic movie I've seen like that where it's like having a through plot basically. Right. And it was just more like kind of like a, it played almost more like a documentary like a candid documentary yeah, than like sort of. in our trying to, but when I finished it, I was like, Oh no, 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 no. Okay. Like that was as a whole unit. I was like, okay, I like that a lot more than I thought, but it was also a lot different than I thought. Yeah. Um, yeah. the, the, one of the things that I had, I think jotted down so I could remember to talk about is I described this movie as having a very delayed reaction. Like when I finished okay. it, I was like, okay, I finished the movie, but, and that was, like I said, only a few hours ago, I'm sitting here stewing on it more and I'm like, okay, there's stuff that I'm realizing. Okay. Okay. Like as I'm processing it, I'm understanding the movie more and it's, it's, I'm getting a, a better enjoyment out of it in a way. Um, and like a respect and appreciation. Like, I feel like after watching that, I feel for Shia LaBeouf, like mm-hmm. any grief mm-hmm. that I feel like I ever gave him in the past. Like, I'm like, I want to be like, I'm sorry, dude. Right, right. I'm genuinely sorry. I just want to give him a hug. Yeah. I mean, it, it is interesting because it's kind of one of those situations where it's like, obviously, we're we're talking to like the survivor, so to speak, versus like the actual person. So how much of that obviously is uh, dramatized? How much of it is exaggerated? You know, because um, he's the one telling it. You know, not to say that being abusive is okay, and so therefore we need to hear the father's side. No, abuse is not okay. But it is also, it's just like, how much of that actually happened versus how much are they trying to make for the movie, obviously. Mm. You know, like, did he really live in a motel when he was making, you know, Even Stevens? Like, or is that just exaggeration? Do you watch the Hot Ones shows ever on YouTube? No. The Sean Evans, the one where they'll do interviews eating hot wings? No. Okay. So that's a good series. There's a lot of different episodes, but Shia LaBeouf was on one whenever they were doing the initial marketing run for Mm -hmm. Honey Boy. And watching that, um, I would just YouTube um, Shia LaBeouf, Hot Wings, Honey Boy. (laughs) That might be a weird combination. But um, when he was talking about it, that made me feel differently about the movie. Cause he was like, it's one of those things like it's, you know, there's a couple things in there, like stylistically it's different. He was like, but I mean, that's like, I, I wanted to stay true to, to what I experienced. And, and the thing is I didn't want to make my dad out to be a bad guy. So that was my, whenever I was making this movie, 
my main goal was to to have him not necessarily approve, but like he wanted to know his opinion when he made it, when he was making the movie. So it's not like it's not like it was made my father was terrible to me. I hated him. Like I'm going to show how much of a bad person he was. It was like that was from my understanding genuinely what happened and he was just showing how his life was, you know. Um is that not make sense what I'm what I'm saying? Well, no, it's just like you're saying he was trying he wasn't trying to show him as a bad dad. It's like, well, Mish, well, no, no, no. What, failed. no. He wasn't trying to villainize, characterize him as a bad dad. He was showing that he that was the person he was. It, what okay. I'm saying is he's, he's not trying to be like, hey, my dad was a villain. Let me show you how bad of a person he was like to get out. Like, y- y- I feel like it's, um, it's making sense what I'm saying. No, it, it makes sense to a certain degree, but that's not how the movie was. So he's not trying to villainize his dad on purpose. Let me put it that way. On purpose, he's just, yeah. He's, just, he's genuinely showing he's just what showing his experience what was. was. I mean, yeah. but the thing is that by showing what it was, he is villainizing him. So I think yeah. that maybe he was just trying to save face or something, you know, trying to mm. trying to show people that, no, I am just trying to show. But it's like, it's like in general. Well, the fact that he played his own dad, I feel like adds another layer to it. Yeah, that like, was definitely interesting as far as like, you know, him putting himself in his dad's shoes. You know, maybe that yeah. gave him a different appreciation for it. But I mean, I guess yes. it's just weird. It's just weird to hear to hear that. Oh, I wasn't trying to make my dad the villain. He just was. That's that's the way I hear that. Is that I didn't try to make him a bad dad. He just was. That's the yeah. way I hear it. And I'm like, yeah. But it's like, then why'd you make the movie? Like. To me, that's just a weird thought process to be like, oh, I don't want to make my dad look like a bad dad. Well, it's like, but he is, and you showed it, and you show how bad he was, so that seems like a very flawed outlook on the way you're making your movie, is he was a bad dad. He abused you emotionally, physically, you know, so to say that, oh, I didn't try to do that, it's like, "Eh," but you kind of did. I mean, you didn't try right. to make him look good. <laughs> so, th- and this is obviously going to be spoilers for Honey Boy because there, you know, I mean, um, but the reason why he made this movie is shown at the end, which is what I think added onto the movie for me of making me enjoy it more. Is and that's what I thought was interesting the entire time is all the kid stuff we're playing as flashbacks, like yeah. him, which and that's what I love too is you can clearly tell he was shooting Transformers when he was going through that time period. Because, I mean, it's clear as day. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, with they have the little alien sound effects. 2005 is when they were, you know, shooting the movie. Right. The movie came out. Um, actually, I think the movie came out in 2007. But anyway. But he um, would have been filming it in 2005. Correct. So, on the track of, like, the present day stuff, when he's, like, you know, at, talking with the therapist or his probation officer, whoever it mm-hmm. is, like the way they're portraying that or the way I understood it was what she was having him do on that exercise, like jotting down all of his memories on paper to, to like get rid of them. He's wanted to make this movie since 2005. True. Yeah. So that's so like why it's made is for his mental health, which let's, that's something that I did want to talk about, like movie review, everything else aside as, as an understanding of someone with, with mental health issues, Let's process this for a second. Mm-hmm. He played his father, right. his abuser, and committed the abuse his father did mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
talk about like how like try to process how full circle that is for you to like find the target of your dismay and how therapeutic that must be to act that out right and get that like i wonder if he had a weight lifted off his chest once he once he completed that but I mean, it's one of those two. I recognize that with Shia, but there was a lot of times, like especially the later scenes when he comes back from the strip club, I didn't know who that person was. Mm-hmm. Like he fully invested into that character of his dad, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, Shia LaBeouf did a wonderful job. I feel like uh, the different versions of his self did really good as well. Like the kid, my freaking God, what a good yeah. actor. Like. Like, it's almost a travesty that, like, kids that young can't be, you know, nominated for something. Because that was that was amazing. Like, the absolute, like, anguish and the fact that, like, that one scene where he imagined his dad just telling him he loved him. Like, that was freaking heartbreaking. That yeah. was so heartbreaking because it's, like, the only time his dad's ever told him he loved him is, like, in his mind or something. You know? Yeah. And it's, like... You know, and it is interesting, like you said, how he's playing his dad. So he's having to go through that. He's trying to, you know, in order to fully embody that character, he's trying to imagine why his dad would have done that. And it was really to push him or whatever, but it's just obviously it was the wrong freaking way, you know? Yeah. The thing that I think, the scene that got me the most, I think is the one that's directly after that. You're talking about whenever he was like standing outside, yep. like crying. Yeah. The scene that got me after that, which is, I mean, this is, isn't something that's bad personal, but, um, I know that there were parts in my life where like my dad was either yelling at me for something or, you know, it, it wasn't like being a bad dad, but like, Hey, you know, you should be, or doing something or wasn't giving me some kind of attention cause he was working. And I full, like I had to be like an adult, like he did in some of those moments and was like, you got to stop. And like, you know, I basically just talked to him like, Hey, stop you know like we need to like and i was like here let me tell you what's going on with me right now and he respected that he respected me for that Mm -hmm. i know people who like that's something that that's probably been been done before and like most of the time like depending on the person like they'll respect you like speaking your mind and you know standing up for yourself like that's something that i feel like dads always do is they want you to stand up for yourself the part that got me that broke me the most is when he did that and i i i sympathize with that because i've gone through that before of Mm -hmm. like trying to say like tell my side of the story and like hey i'm messed up right now help me and the fact that he just ignored it and then just like went to abuse like 100 percent, it was just like oh my god like that's i think the hardest part of the movie yeah honestly that was so hard to watch yeah i mean the whole movie to a certain extent was just hard to watch because it was just like because of how raw it was and how emotional it was it was such an interesting thing. Now, I do want to get into some spoilers. So, in the timestamps, we will make sure to say when we move on. Because if you haven't seen it, if you have Amazon Prime, go look at it and then maybe come back to this part in the in the thing. But, anyways, so I definitely want to go with some spoilers. Um, I I love the entire movie, but what did you think about the ending? That was one of those that took me a minute to process. Yeah, like whenever he. Like, I thought that that was a one-for-one one thing whenever he was walking back to the motel and, like, saw his dad there and his dad was interacting and they had a conversation by the pool. Like, I believed that. I was like, it's weird that he's dressed up and that he's still in the hotel, but whatever. And then when it shows that clip of him being on the back of the motorcycle and then him being by himself, it was like, oh, 
oh, okay, never mind. That was like him in his mind, mm-hmm. like basically forgiving his dad or like letting that part of his life go, like starting a new chapter. Um, I, I really enjoyed the end. I personally think that the ending is kind of what made it for me. Yeah. Like as a, like as a complete envelope. Cause like I said, I, I don't think I was expecting it to play more candidly like a documentary. Mm-hmm. Like you were talking about the kid's performance. That's exactly what I'm saying too. I didn't recognize this kid as an actor. I recognize this, this is some like a real person I'm just yes, watching. Yes. And so, so like that, because I wasn't expecting that for that first half, I was kind of like, Mm, but like when I started watching the really heavy stuff towards the end, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, like this is, I understand this. Like this is, this isn't just a movie that he's wanted, like, like something he wanted to work on. This is therapeutic to him. He's wanted to do since yeah. over 10 years ago, Yeah, you know? And it's like, it's knowing that it's been that far in the making, so to speak, like if that's actually what happened, mm-hmm. um, it's like, wow. Like it's just powerful. Like you just shared like this is so Shia LaBeouf too, his artistic side. You just shared a part of your life with everyone. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like the ending for me, I felt like actually kind of lessened the entire movie. And I mean, maybe it's because at least in my eyes, there wasn't really a resolution because mm-hmm. they were intercutting him going and talking to his dad to like him and his dad going and he's like, I'm, you know, growing pot off the side of the interstate. And so then right after that is when he talks to his dad and, I mean, I guess in a way forgives him, like you said. But it was just so weird. It's like, okay, so nothing interesting has happened since the point where he was growing pot to now. Like, after he showed him the pot, did they sell the pot? Did they become rich? Did they get a house? Did he start treating him better? Did he start treating him worse? Did he just treat him the same? Like, to end it right there, at least on the kid's side. So I guess on the adult side... It made sense. He forgave his dad. And I, I get that artistic way of saying, I forgive you, dad. He didn't outright say it, but like artistically, yeah. he said, I forgive you, dad. But on the kid's side, the, the flashback side, that's the part where I feel like there wasn't really a resolution other than, hey, let's sell some pot. Here, you want to smoke some pot? It's like, fucking God. Like, that's a horrible dad to not only be like selling pot, but then having your son try some. It's like, wow. Like, to a certain extent, that was, like, the worst part of the movie in the sense I was like, you know, Dad, I'm worried about you. I don't want you to get arrested. He's like, oh, no, it'll be fine. And then we don't hear anything else from the kid. So it's like, okay. I guess the only thing is that I just have so many questions about what happened from there to when he was 2005 and he was making Transformers. I feel like there was kind of some just left up the imagination, which I guess is the point. But it's just like, okay... I don't know. It just, it left off in such a weird spot because of course they were happy and they were smoking pot together. And it's like, Oh, we're, he's changed now. But it's like, well, he clearly didn't if this is how effed up you are. So I don't know. Honestly, thinking about it more like you talking about it, it's, it's another thing going to the delayed reaction. I think this movie was about his, his father. Like, because if it was just about him, I feel like there would have been more scenes with the kid, but I feel like there was an even amount yeah, of with, so I honestly, and I might have to go back and watch that interview uh, with Shia LaBeouf to see if I have a different understanding. But, um, I think this was about telling the story of his dad right, and like right. what was going on in that time period. So in that sense, you know, right before that they're like, okay, I understand. 
I'm going to try to be better. And they do the little pinky. So I, I don't know if he was better at that point, but like him, like, Hey, look, I've started growing all this for you basically, which I, is probably not true, but them having that bonding experience. I think that was like the end chapter for his dad, basically I guess. Like, I just, of him being a bad person. I just wish there you know? would have been something a little bit more definitive. Like, yeah, I, yes. I, I there was, According to how his dad was acting the entire movie, there was no indication, at least to me, that he was suddenly going to change just because they can make money off a pot. If anything, that would have just spiraled him down into an even worse degree, at least in my eyes. So not showing me some type of resolution was just like, it left it up to the imagination. And yeah, there was a very much like poignant conversation with his dad like hey i'm gonna make a movie about you oh i hope you make me look good like that was very poignant but at the same time it was just like okay <laughs> like I yeah know. i mean i i do agree with you i feel like they there could have been uh, a lot more like i don't know, like 30 <laughs> seconds more just to show some type like show him back his at growth. the studio but now he's acting way different than he was before Something like that, yeah. just something to kind of make me, okay, there's a resolution, you know? But I guess that that and, was sort of maybe the point, is that there was no resolution, and so now in his future self, he had to forgive his dad. You know, I guess maybe that was part of the point. It's just, like, I guess I like the kid actor so much, I wanted to see him happy. And so as a father, like, that's what I wanted to see. I wanted to see that kid happy. And I never technically got to see him happy other than when he was smoking weed, which is a terrible thing to do with your kid. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll see. Here's the funny part. Like, this is the difference in opinion. I feel like it was worse him giving him the pack of cigarettes. <laughs> but that's that's neither here nor there. Um, so to put this in, like, other movie terms, I guess, um, I think both of us were expecting a more type of Bohemian Rhapsody kind of situation where it was, the movie was an overall story. Like it went from like in the past to present day. Whereas this, we only got the origin Uh, for this one instance, you know, maybe, maybe, I mean, from there, um, theoretically, I mean, who knows? Like from my understanding, we were show, we were getting shown him as he was making even Stevens. So maybe this was just the pre-production of Even Stevens, and it wasn't until the end of the movie where he actually started making Even Stevens on a regular basis. Maybe that's what it was. Yeah. It, it could also be that the movie was trying to show the reason why he is the way he is. And, and that's like, there wasn't another reason to show him going crazy oh, or anything else like okay. that. It's because like, hey, yeah. you want to know why I'm the person that right. I am. This is why. Right. So... Looking at it that way, it also does make it seem not as hollow. But it's one of those that I think it's one of those movies. It doesn't clearly give you what you want. Mm-hmm. But if you think on yeah. it more and look at it in a different light, you're like, okay, yeah. I, I get, get it. it. Yeah. Sure. Why not? <laughs> what else have I been watching? Uh, last night, I just started, so I'm not going to have too much impressions. But I just started. It has a really weird title. But it's like something, something, insect cage, insect, something, something, dark side. There we go. Let me see if I can get the whole title. The whole title is Cat Cagaster of an Insect Cage. Wow. I don't know how to say that word. I don't know what the hell you just said. It's C A G A. 
K-A-S-T-E-R. Kagaster? Or Kagat? Yeah, how the hell do you say that? Anyways, it's an anime um, made from, like, uh, 3D models. So basically, imagine, like, a Dragon Ball Z game. That's the style of, like, animation they were going for. You know what I mean? And so, mm. like, the world has been struck by this sickness that basically turns people into giant insects. It's really interesting. Um, it's got kind of some uh, Attack on Titan vibes because you're because there's this guy like fighting this giant ass bug at the beginning and he has to basically jump onto it, stab it in its head and then shoot it a bunch of times with a shotgun in order to finally die. Um, so it's got some, some of those vibes. Um, uh, like I said, I only watched the first episode, but I'm liking it so far and it's a nice little anime. So I'm interested to see where it goes next as far as, you know, it's also interesting. I don't know if this is a cultural thing, but it's also interesting to see a transgender in an anime because I feel like, um, the Asian culture, they're very, they're very uptight in the sense of like, you're, you know, that it's all about honor and stuff. So like, I mean, I mean, there's still like gay Asians or something like that, but I feel like it's a lot less, a lot less, um, accepted than it is here in the States. So to see like a transgender in the show, I'm like, interesting. Like, I guess what I'm trying to say is it seems like there's progress, you know, cause I feel like that wouldn't have been something you saw back in the day in an anime, or if you did, it was very scarce. Whereas this is like almost a main character and it's quite clearly made to look like a transgender. So I'm like, that's interesting. You know, I'm glad mm -hmm. to see that they're progressing, you know, but aside from that, like the action's really cool. It's very anime in the sense of like, you know, it'll have just these spurts of violence and blood and guts and stuff. And I'm like, heck yeah. So like so far, I'm really interested in it. So if you guys want to check it out, I, I suggest you do. It's an, it looks like an interesting one. So, all right. So now we're going to be moving on to our rando movie slash series of the week. I had to mess with that because we, we decided to basically transfer our random movie of the week over to Star Wars Clone Wars. Um, last week, uh, we had a guest on, so we didn't do it. So now this week, we have to, to make sure we can cram for the final exam, which is on 24th, 21st, 21st. Um, to yeah. make sure we get enough, uh, we were supposed to do two seasons a week. Since we didn't do it last week, that means we're going to be talking about seasons one through four today, and then five, six next week, and then finally we'll start doing, you know, each episode will essentially be the next episode of Clone Wars. So, yeah, I'm interested. Um, so, what do you think about Star Wars? <laughs> so, as someone who... <clears throat> I watched the first four seasons, possibly the first three when they were on Cartoon Network. Nice. After that, I just fell off for a while because it's one of those that I, at the moment, like I enjoyed what I saw, uh -huh. but it, I, I never finished the series. I never got to Lost Episodes, never got to where mm. it, the show really, really got good. Um, 
So the first few seasons of this, and this is something I'll get into. First few seasons of the show are very hard for me to watch because I've seen them so many times. Yeah, like true. I've seen. Yeah. So it's one of those that I've gotten to the point where, like, I. Like, I can have them, have them in the background because you like you know what's going on. That and I'm deviating from my own list. Like I started watching, I started watching the Shadow Malevolence arc, like the starting with the second episode to kind of get into the world. I was like, okay, you know. Um, and then I watched like uh, Layer of Grievous, which Grievous, which you texted me about, so we'll talk about for sure. But there's honestly, especially with season one. I think those are the primary two that I saw and I'll maybe watch hostage crisis because everything else in terms of the overall story has mm-hmm. a little importance. I've seen it so much. So I'm just like, I think honestly I've, I only saw like three episodes out of season one Yeah, just because I'm like mm, seen it. Okay. Well let's move forward. Cause right. like, so the, I mean overall, what would you say about season one? <laughs> Good parts. It's, yeah. it's not bad at all by any means, but the like- first I felt like season one was really just kind of a, it was setting up the overall war rather than focusing on stories. Yes. The first two seasons of the show, 100% are like Cartoon Network. Hey, kids show. It's not until like season three and going forward where it gets like, that's when it becomes the most important Star Wars lore we've had (laughs) in anything in any sort of media. So yeah, the first season has good parts. The Ryloth arc, um, which turns out is going to be important for Rebels because you've got kind of continuing characters. Um, Remind me who Ryloth is? Ryloth is a planet. It's where the the Twi'leks live. The The what? The Twi'leks. The ones with the, like the... Um, the like tentacles coming out of their head. Oh, okay, gotcha. <laughs> yeah, you're saying words, and like I'm just I'm so bad when it comes to shows like this. I'm just so bad with like names and yeah and species and stuff. Okay, got that, it. Go. That arc is <laughs> that arc is good and important. Um, it's not important to like catching up to season seven. It's more important for for later on stuff. Mm-hmm. The standout episodes for this season are definitely rookies. Oh yeah, Lair of Grievous. Mm-hmm. And I would probably, I mean, the malevolence is good, especially if you're just kind of starting out, but this is what's also bad about the first two seasons is everything's out of order. So the malevolence is the one that's, uh, that's the ship, right? Yeah. The ship. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. So I, and I, don't, <laughs> I didn't confuse you with this of the whole first two seasons are out of order. There's actually a chronological way to watch it. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah. Because there's parts that take place before it's, it's a whole mess. It, so it was it almost like back in the nineties when they aired like X-Men out of order. You remember that? Oh yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was kind of similar to that. Yeah. Um, and then probably at the hidden enemy, hidden enemy is a good clone story. That's about like a yeah. clone trader. Um, and of course hostage crisis is cool. Cause it's like, it's, it's a good way to end the season. Yeah. But yeah, Overall, it's good because I've seen it so much. It's like, let me just watch a couple. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so mine is sort of, I, I've i already seen seasons one and two through its entirety. And so it was interesting doing this time because I kind of just went by your list or whatever. But yeah, it kind of seemed like this one was, at least since I was just watching the um, the important ones, quote unquote, like the malevolence one that was kind of like a movie all its own because it was like basically three episodes and you know each episode being 30 minutes long it was almost like a feature film right there so that was really mm-hmm. cool and it was interesting in the sense of obviously it was this big secret weapon that didn't explode planets <laughs> 
Instead, it was just like it was like an EMP or whatever. And I really like that because it still kind of went with the formula of, you know, oh, big secret weapon. Oh, no. But instead, now it's something else and they're tracking him down. And then there's a hostage, you know, like Padme comes in the middle of it. Was that because somebody called her and they tricked her there? Because, like, it was so weird that Padme just showed up out of nowhere. It was as she came because of some sort of distress. I don't know if it's something Anakin put out or oh, if it's something that okay. she just tied on to. Okay. Anyways, so that was really interesting. Um, uh, then the Lair of Grievous, like, dang. That show can get pretty brutal. And that was, like, the first time I was like, okay, this is a show that can be for kids, but it's also for Star Wars fans. Because it's like that was the first time I was like, "Whoa, this is getting this is getting brutal." Like he's straight up killing, uh, freaking Padawan one. He looks like he's twelve. <laughs> he talks like he's twelve, maybe thirteen or fourteen, and he just like straight up murders him. And I'm like, "Damn, son, damn." Yeah, yeah that's. I remember watching that and Rookies the first time I ever watched the show, and I was like in love because I was like, "Oh my god, it's so good!" Like right that. Galare of Grievous continues to be a phenomenal episode. Like right. anytime I've watched it's it, it's a nice it's standalone. Like, That's what's so nice about it because it, it doesn't involve Anakin or Obi-Wan or anything like it involves Grievous, but it's like he's kind of just, it's kind of interesting to see him as like the main antagonist and also the victim because yeah, yeah. it's like you're seeing the perspective of Grievous being like challenged. Um, I won't fail you, you know, stuff like that. Right. Um, but yeah, it's like I said, I think with season one, it's good. It's good parts. It's definitely the first time that you're like, okay, well, this is a kid show. Um, and they play around with certain elements. I mean, even though See, like, I think the reason I like, even though one and two are kind of the most child friendly, I think the reason I like it is because it very much reminds me of the nineties cartoons, like X-Men, Spider-Man back in the nineties, like kids shows were just way more mature. And so these mm-hmm. are shows dealing with like just people dying left and right. And like granted they're only quote unquote clones or whatever. But then yeah, in Lair of the Grievous you have a straight up Padawan one dying on screen. Like right. that's kind yep. that's the kind of stuff that used to happen back in the day. And then parents are like, oh no, it needs to be educational. What are my kids learning? Yeah, honestly, the first two episodes aren't even egregious of that. It's the the ones they in particular aren't grievous of that. They aren't grievous. <laughs> uh, the ones in particular are like the any uh, like the downfall of a droid and any droid Padme or Jar Jar. Um, yeah, screw all episode. <laughs> They're definitely all like um, what's the word I'm looking for? They're all like more kid design. Yeah. Also give an honorable mention to the Dooku captured episode. That's the first time you Ooh, meet yeah. um, Hondo mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. really good. Like that's a really, really good episode because yeah. you get to see a different dynamic between Dooku, Anakin and Obi-Wan that we haven't seen yeah. previously. Yeah. Um, so what's your take on season two? Season two. Um, I feel like it's definitely started picking up a little bit more. We got to who's the blue guy. Uh, Cad Bane. Cad Bane. Yeah. So Bane, um, I really liked his character, especially he ends up like fire rises. What? <laughs> well, fire rises. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> but he was he was really interesting. I liked I liked that we kind of got like like a bounty hunter that was just like almost like a Han Solo type character. 
it was an original. Yeah, that too. Yeah, it was very original. It wasn't just like, oh, here we go. But it was, it was really interesting. And the fact that it's like, here's the only thing I guess I might not have liked is the fact that it's, oh, here we go again with the MacGuffin or whatever. It's like we got to steal this thing so that we can do this thing. And the whole like, here's a list of all our agents is like so espionage that's like such a cliche that is like that was the only thing i didn't like about it but i tried to put that in the back of my mind and just enjoy it and honestly it was just like okay yeah like but i i i I felt like as far as like compared to season one season two was like getting way better yeah season two is where they start to expand out the universe i get what you're saying about the MacGuffin with cad cad bane but it's also cool how they explain the MacGuffin. how it's something that city has hired him to like pro like you're just it's cool that you're seeing more and more the pieces of his scheme and trust me when we get towards the end of this mm-hmm. you see a side of Sidious you've never seen before and it's oh, mm-hmm. so good but yes season two definitely starts to pick up the entire time it's the, the I think the best thing about the Clone Wars is that they're emphasizing with clones mm-hmm. like clone perspective you get to see Rex you get to see Cody um, and other yeah, stuff like that that is probably one of the most interesting aspect is because they are trying to humanize them considering that Mm. they are just all the same person and really trying to emphasize that even though they are made from the same person they have different personalities that was such an interesting way of handling it yeah by the end of this by the end of this these seasons you'll get a deeper say like heartfelt connection with the clones and it makes it all that much more heartbreaking when you realize they're going to experience order 66 (laughs) so yeah season two like i said does get to where it starts to get with the important stuff um that's where you're going to have the start of everything with mandalore Mm -hmm. and how we're just now real which this is the thing i'm the most excited about is the fact of like giving me a reason to go back and watch these which i thought were boring at the time figuring out they're much more important right, than we realized right, right, with right. stuff like like moff gideon and the mandalorian and stuff like that um so all that stuff like throughout the show is is great um and the fact that it plays into it more in the later seasons is like okay i'm definitely excited um but other than that you've got some standouts the zillow beast is is a good arc mm-hmm. good couple episode arc um you do get to see boba fett again right I like which was I, cool. There are some standalones that are pretty good. I like the ones that are multiple parts. Like I like making right. it feel yeah, the like arc episodes. I make I like making it feel like it's a, a whole story. The standalones are really good. Like the enemy within is a really good one. Obviously, the Lair of Grievous is a phenomenal standalone. But when they carry over one to the other, it makes it feel more epic because it's like it's we can't we can't wrap this up in 20 minutes it's something that's so epic so multifaceted i much prefer those over the standalones for sure yeah yeah and that's uh, like whenever i first texted you about this i was talking about the the arcs that's what i was talking about like right which we'll get into one specifically whenever we get to it but yeah the later stuff in particular the arcs they go down are like not only extremely important but also very entertaining right um yeah i mean was there any other episode in particular that i didn't mention that stood out to you about season two no not really yeah i think i feel like we covered that pretty good Okay, um, so season three. So this is where this is where the good. This is honestly like I know people hate when they're like, oh, like you know, just watch it two seasons, and then it gets really right. good. 
unfortunately, that's the situation here. Is this was where in, it gets in like, the defense though. Seasons one or two are still good. It's just that it's just that like if you want it to blow your mind, you definitely have to start waiting. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 And like this season, which I don't did you pay attention to the fact that cadets it it takes place before rookies? Oh god, no. (sighs) Okay, so that's what I'm talking about. There's like the way they release these, there's some so clone cadets takes place before the episode rookies like you're seeing like the squad that's in rookies you're seeing them training getting to become troopers um that one's a great episode too because that is the most human episode that we've seen so far especially dealing with like the janitor who is like Mm -hmm, a mm -hmm. a bad batch basically um and then you go to it with art troopers another story uh, you know camino's under attack and it's it's like okay we're at the homestead now so it gets really exciting but honestly, every episode that starts out the season, apart from Sphere of Influence, which all of the political stuff is is good, seeing it the mm-hmm. first time. I don't need to see it right. again because they're yeah, filler right. episodes. Um, Supply Lines is good. That's a really good, like, against all odds, standalone. Um, and then, you know, Mandalore is real strong in this one, too. We're, like, what's, what's so cool, especially with Season 7, is Mandalore is a giant deal in Season 7. Mm-hmm. So we're basically watching this. This this is the, I think, main important story of the entire series. Right, right. Which is something that's kind of cool. Like, we, I didn't realize when I first watched it. Um, you know, you've got Cad Bane again. But... Yeah, seeing him again this, was really nice because it... Like, I don't know, like, you get your favorites, and you're like, ah, well, too bad that guy's done, or whatever. You know, it's like, especially when you don't see him for so long, it's like, oh, okay, now we have him back. Like, uh, let's go. Let's go. Yeah. And this is where it starts to get real, real okay. I see where we're going. We've got the start of what's going to be something that's, again, more important to the overall story, is going back to Dathomir. Um, you know, the whole arc that starts with, um, God, what is his brother's name? Um, the big Darth Maul guy, you know what I'm talking about? We, we, we see him, um, God, what is his, what is his name? Um, hold on a second. Let me find this. Savage Press. Okay. Yep. That, that guy. Uh, who's also voiced by Clancy Brown. Which Clancy is cool. Brown. That's a, that's starting an arc that, you know, we see later on of, you know, this is spoiler alert. You know, this is the start of with Darth Maul. Right. And so like, we're like, Oh, okay, this is good. And then we get the Mortis arc, which for context, if you don't know what that is, this was supposed to be what episode nine was supposed to be revolved around. Mortis is basically like the force, the origin of the force. Mm -hmm. Like everything about this planet is, um, letting you like kind of giving you a more but apart from midi chlorians like you've got the father the son and the uh. daughter they both represent different parts of the force like in the balance uh. um, and not only is that cool because it gives you an overall story but ghosts of mortis the fact of you see anakin have a vision of himself that he doesn't believe but you see him becoming darth vader is like oh my god um and then it, it, season three is honestly a banger. <laughs> There's not really much more that I can say about it, but that's where it starts to get really important. I mean, I, I think um, it's just, 
It's so interesting being a Star Wars fan. Like, I I definitely watched the series a little bit back in the day. I think when I first officially watched it. Because I saw an episode here and there on Cartoon Network, so I wasn't like you. I saw a couple. When I first, like, watched, watched them was when they finally came out on Netflix. Um, and I, I feel like the being a Star Wars fan, it was just nice to see something. Because by then... The only good Star Wars we had were back in the freaking 80s. <laughs> so to right. get really good Star Wars movies from arguably one of the worst Star Wars movies was really cool. Now, granted, obviously, they're not movies, but it's like they set them up like movies. They have arcs. They have story. I mean, each character has an arc themselves. They're learning. And I think that's the coolest thing about this is that I never felt like, other than the standalone episodes, I never felt like I was watching episodes. I felt like I were watching parts of a movie and I really that's the thing Mm -hmm. I liked about it the most honestly one big thing that I really wish that they would have cut out way sooner is the whole like um like announcer voice is like deep inside the moon of Yavin 4 I don't know like that you know that voice is all like they're on the patrol and yeah, it's the same voice as uh, Ad- Admiral yeah, right. Lauren, which is actually a, a, a big person. But I get what you're saying. Yeah, they're definitely, even whenever I've rewatched it before, I was like, okay, like, you know, it's um, all right. Like, I get I get where this is going. One thing that I think is, I forgot about season three, is that's also where you visually see the style change. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Like, where yeah. the animation yeah. got better. And it gets, like, it's one of those, I thought that was impressive. Season seven, I saw the trailer oh. for it. Like, it looks like a movie, yep. dude. Oh, it's so good. But, um, yeah, so to wrap uh-huh. it up, we've got season four, which is definitely kind of season three was sowing seeds and was good. Season four is just keeps yeah. on that track. Um, the main standout arc, which ends up being like a five-episode arc. I mean, it's four or five-episode, is the Krell uh-huh. arc, which is the first time that you're seeing just, which is interesting because this entire series so far, they've built up the clones to be like someone they're humanizing. Then you come across this one Jedi general who thinks of them as just insects and insignificant beings and ends up like, it's, it's cool because this is the first time we're seeing a Jedi given to dark side temptations and just become a villain out of nowhere Yeah, and it gets rough and it's cool. It's great to see like, you know, it's cool to see the clones against all odds, which we're used to with all these battle droids, Mm -hmm. but they're really against all odds. They're going to die and they have to figure a way to, to get out of it. I mean, it's, I think it's honestly one of the highest reviewed arcs of the show apart from the really deep lore stuff, but that, um, and then also with combination of um i loved the story arc with Mm obi-wan where he went under disguise as a bounty hunter to get close to cad bane or to do something like that right um that was a really fun that's that's a two episode arc but it is um a good standalone and then like another reason why season four is probably one of the best is so far is because we see darth maul yeah return yeah like and it's so good it's so sam witwer will continue and has been a f- probably one of the best Darth Maul's. Right. Like, I mean, the performance is 
oh so good and it this is one of those i think for a lot of star wars fans who thought that this was more kitty show i think this arc was whenever they were like okay no we're back yeah darth ball's back we're baby back, let's go baby let's go let's, let's go it. yeah i mean in in general like um going back to the bane like when he came back for season three, it was just like, oh, here's like maybe a callback, you know. And, uh, but like for him to come back again, it was really just like, okay, no, they are establishing him in the lore, at least in my opinion. You know, like they're yeah. establishing he is a mainstay. And like I, li- I like that. So, yeah. So, I mean, overall, good so far. I'm kind of glad that like I have this excuse to just kind of go through and watch these again, especially since I am, it's just getting me more and more excited for like season seven. I can finally kind of get up to your hype level, but we want to know, we want to know from your guys, are you rewatching them? Are you getting ready for that season seven? Let us know. If not, try to get it caught up with us. Cause next week is going to be five and six. Get ready. Get ready for that season seven. So ready. All right. So let's move on to our last segment of the day. Nerd, would you rather? All right, so nerd, would you rather? Kind of self-explanatory, but would you rather? You know, blah, blah, blah. Let's get going. All right, Nate. Would you rather see a fully realized, I'm talking like triple A, out in the box office, banger, Spider-Verse, we're talking live action, we're talking Sam Raimi trilogy, we're talking Andrew Garfield, we're talking Tom Holland. Would you rather, would you rather see fully realized Spider-Verse or a fully realized um, Crisis of Worlds, or what's it called? Are you talking about DC's Crisis on Infinite Earths? There you go, Crisis on Infinite Earths. So then we're talking about getting Christian Bale. We're talking about getting a Michael Keaton, Val Kilmer, George Clooney. We're talking like something like that. So what would you rather, Spider Verse or Bat or DC Verse? So then we could get Henry Cavill. We could get. Well, we couldn't get some of the strong. <laughs> we couldn't get some of the Superman, but we might be able to get some some of the other ones. But I'm talking um, like fully realized, like, you know, this is maybe even like a three-parter for Spider-Verse, a three-parter for, you know, Crisis on Infinite Earth. Now, this is going to be a little bit biased because the actual Crisis on Infinite Earth story I never really got into, like, as much as I did with Civil War. Right. Um, so I'm not as knowledgeable. I know, like, kind of the basics of it. Um, but Spider, like, I think in general my answer would be Spider-Verse. Yeah. Based on the fact of a couple things, for one, the way it's told in the comics and the story that that they give for a lot of Spider Verse stuff is really fascinating and really like deep lore, which I wouldn't expect out of Spider Man. But I think what's also more important about it is it's very intimate. Intimate. Because with Crisis on Infinite Earth, very similar to Civil War and then the Marvel sense, is you're getting perspectives of different peoples and opinions on this this thing. Like you're trying to tell a story from multiple perspectives. Spider-Verse, you're doing the same, except in most iterations, it's just a different version of Peter Parker or a different version of Spider-Man. It, it's right. isolating it down to a more intimate type story. Like into the spider Verse is a great example. It's mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. Miles Morales. He's just coming across different spider people. Exactly. So that I think that would make more. I think they could do that better. I mean, I didn't obviously see the, the one on TV. I heard it was good for Crisis, but I think there's a good chance that if they get the same writers they had for Spider Verse, mm-hmm. that they can make an actual live action counterpart to that, and it'd be successful. 
Well, I mean, honestly, I feel like I feel like I'm I'm gonna be contrarian, but not because that you know I like to be, but like I like it because I like the idea of stick with me. I like the idea of having like a Robert Pattinson is like the new guy. Uh, ben Affleck is the old grizzled one, but not only that, but like I don't know if they did it on the the TV series because I don't watch that universe. I don't watch the Arrowverse is what it's been you know dubbed as. I don't watch that. But, like, the Crisis on Infinite Earths, like, if you go back to, like, the animated movie, is actually, like, a good Batman and a bad Batman. So you have Batman and then Owl Man. And then you have, like, Superman and then you have Ultraman. So, like, seeing those, at least from that time, or not timeline, but from that, like, I guess saga of comic books, I think that would be really cool. So, like, seeing, like, Robert Pattinson's, Batman go up against like Ben Affleck's Batman because maybe he's just finally like snapped or something and he just goes full evil you know or something like like something like that where we could see like a bunch of Batmans on on screen or something or even just giving some kind of explanation as to why they went from Michael Keaton to Val Kilmer to George Clooney having some kind of like in-universe way of explaining that would be really cool um it might just be like the difference between like I like a lot more 80s or I grew up watching more 80s movies than you. Um, not that you didn't watch any 80s movies. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying like the those Batmans back in that day, like I have a more attra- uh, uh, not attraction attachment to them versus like Sam Raimi's, you know, obviously was the first time comic books really got good. So I still have that. Atta- so honestly, I think I would go DCEU. So. Or not DCEU, that's not what I meant. But yeah, Crisis on Infinite Earths, like if they did it really good, like AAA, like huge budget, like that could could be really cool. Yeah, and like I said, I think think that, see, I'm in the same boat as I want to see the Crisis on TV but I'm so far behind on everything else. So it's just like, it's, it's almost more of a chore. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I can see that. Um, for me, the one I've got for you today, would you rather a real life battle Royale? Okay. All stakes and everything right. could be hunger game situation. Could be great, whatever, or be trapped in a death race. Ooh. So, I mean, either way, it's like almost a battle royale, but one I get like gun cars. Oh, that's an interesting one. Do I still get vehicles in the battle? Is this like a PUBG where I get vehicles and stuff or no vehicles whatsoever? No, let's do this like Hunger Games. This is okay. you get drops of, of Ooh, okay. you know, maybe okay. some weapons or you get supplies. Mm-hmm. But it's a survival. Gotcha. Okay. More than a like a like race well you know since a portion of my adult life has been as a professional driver i think i'm going to go with death race because i was four years of you know cab driving uh before that i drove around getting donations and then now recently i drive i'm a courier for a pharmacy so it's like i am a driver and so like as far as survivalist, I don't know if I how good I would do there, but if you put me behind the wheel of a car, I feel like I'd have a really good chance. 
I feel like I want to say Battle Royale. Like, I would prefer the survivalist because I, I feel like it would be a, Come on, would would that be a worse beard? off way. You would do great. <laughs> <laughs> no, it would be a worse off way. But at the same time, I, I, I would think the same thing that um, I don't know about how my survival skills are. Right. Like, I don't know if they're up to stuff. Like, I'm pretty sure I would die. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you, you did a lot of driving yourself, so don't sell yourself short. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to say. I, I think, I think I'm going to go with the death race too, because I just don't, I don't have faith in my survival instincts yeah. whatsoever. So I feel like I would be better off driving and shoot and, you know, shooting down cars. I think that'd be a lot better yeah. actually. <laughs> I mean, I think the fun factor, like, even though it's kind of fucked up, like, the fun factor would also just be way funner, like, driving around than it would be, uh, you know, fighting for your life, maybe starving, you're cold, you you have to somehow, like, make yourself shelter, like, that just doesn't sound fun. I mean, even though either way you're murdering people, but at least murdering people in a car, you're sort of just detached from it because maybe you don't have to physically see the person die. You just, oh, okay, there's a big fire over there. Somebody go get warm. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Anyways. Yeah, 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 definitely, definitely. Um, So that is our Would You Rathers. Obviously, we're always looking for suggestions, so write into us if you'd like to write into us. Or, you know, just write in and say, hey, how's it going? How's it going, Nick? How's it going, Nate? You guys doing okay? Yeah, we're doing pretty good. Thanks for writing in. So you can go to at TX3 Productions on Twitter, ThreadX3 Productions on Instagram, ThreadX3 Productions on YouTube, or just go to ThreadX3 Productions at gmail.com to get us directly. All right, guys. Thank you so much. I was Nick. And I was Nate. Thanks for tuning in to Nerd Radio, where you can always talk nerdy to me.